Lift your hands once again. Just bless the Lord. Thank you for his presence in this place tonight. Father, we worship you. We acknowledge your presence. We thank you for touching each and every one of us with the presence of your Holy Spirit. Energize us. Make us strong. Cause us to hunger like never before. The moving of your Spirit, your healing power, delivering power, saving power, be manifest in all of our ministries. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it, Father. We worship you tonight. We lift holy hands. And we thank you, Father, for what you're about to do. Hallelujah. Now all of you turn and stretch your hands out toward Richard. And just pray in the Holy Ghost over him. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we lift up Richard. We thank you, Father, for sensitivity to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Cause every word that comes out of his mouth to be the oracle of God. May there be such a fresh and even new anointing upon him this night. In the name of Jesus. We draw upon the anointing that is in him. We place a demand upon the anointing that is in him. We're expecting you, Lord, to work through him. And we give you praise for it. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let's give the Lord a good shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You can be seated for a moment. Praise and worship team is doing such a great job, aren't they? Give them a good, a good hand. Hallelujah. During the month of October every year, I set some time aside to, to endeavor to get the mind of the Lord as to what's on his agenda for the coming new year. And uh, I've preached in many of your churches uh, throughout two, uh, 2017. And you know that the theme has been uh, everywhere I've been, not only here in America, but all over the world. The Lord said to me in, that about 2016, that the faithful shall flourish, and it'll be like days of heaven on earth. And I've been preaching on faithfulness everywhere I've gone, preaching on flourishing. And uh, so I began to ask the Lord, well, what do you want me to emphasize in this coming new year? And he said this, don't stop preaching. Don't stop teaching. Don't stop emphasizing faithfulness and flourishing. He said, if you keep teaching it and keep preaching it and keep emphasizing it and keep living it before them, they'll eventually get it. Amen. Amen. So my assignment is to just keep preaching on faithfulness. Amen. And I think that's a good assignment, praise God. And I think I'm qualified. I've been faithful. I've been faithful to God. I've been faithful to my wife. I've been faithful to my children. Uh, most of you know I've been faithful to Brother Copeland. 
48 of my 49 ministry uh, years of ministry, I've been preaching with him and serving him and, and being loyal to his ministry. So faithfulness is my name. Hallelujah. It's my game. Hallelujah. Amen. I was born to be faithful. And then on, uh, the 27th of October, I was, uh, preaching or getting ready to preach, uh, with uh, Caleb Gober down in Alabama. And he was having his uh, meeting there that his father, Mac, had started a few years ago. And there's a number of speakers, a different speaker each night. And the night I was there, which was on the 27th of October, when I checked into the hotel, uh, the Spirit of God came on me as I was preparing for the service. And uh, I was about to walk out the door, and I heard these words. So I stopped, and I just took a little sheet of paper from the desk there uh, in the hotel and wrote these words down very quickly. And then when I got home, I had my secretary to type them up so I could read them because I was writing so fast. Only I and the Holy Ghost knew what was (laughs) on that sheet of paper. Praise God. And here's what the Lord said. These are indeed the days of my greater glory, saith the Lord. I will cause it to manifest for all who have remained faithful to me and faithful to my word. And I will cause them to flourish and to abound, even as I have promised them in my word. I will honor their loyalty to me by enabling them to overcome every attack of the evil one. I will bring them into the greatest breakthroughs that they have experienced thus far. Rest assured that I'm working in their behalf even now. And they shall triumph and they shall be victorious. And all shall see that I am still the God of the breakthrough and I'm still the God who keeps covenant. So lift up your hands and lift up your voices and praise your God, the God who is like, unlike any other, the God who blesses all those who remain faithful and loyal to me. Hallelujah. So lift up your hands and lift up your voices. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. So uh, when I got back from this meeting, I had the opportunity to preach here in our church, which I, I don't get to preach in <laughs> often, but uh, had the opportunity to preach this message. And uh, so our theme for this year, or this coming new, new year, is days of glory, days of flourishing, and days of abounding. And I want to encourage you to lay hold on that. Keep it in front of you, praise God. Confess it often. Believe for it. And God will make it happen. Say it with me. Days of glory. Days of flourishing. And days of abounding. Look at somebody and say, these are my days of glory, flourishing, and abounding. And now look at somebody else and tell them, and I'm speaking the same over you. Days of glory, days of abounding, days of flourishing, so be it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a good shout. Praise God. That wasn't a good shout. Let's give the Lord a good shout. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So that's what I'll be preaching about everywhere I go all this coming new year. Praise God. Amen. Now, I want to read this to you just before I introduce Brother Richard. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. For this cause also thank we God... Without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, 
which ye heard of us, or from us, you received not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectively or effectually worketh also in you that believe. Now the message translation says it this way. You didn't pass it off as just one more human opinion, but you took it to heart as God's true word to you. And uh, I, I, I recently preached a message regarding that and uh, emphasized the fact that it's, a, it's one thing to hear the word, but it's another thing to take it to heart. It's not enough just to hear it. It's taking it to heart. And when you take it to heart, then you become a doer of it. Amen. You apply it to your life. You don't just know about it. You just don't hear it. But you do it. You make application of it to your life in every way possible. Praise God. And then that same letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in Thessalonica, he said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 7 and 8, So then ye were examples to all who believe. From you sounded out the word of the Lord. Also your faith to Godward is spread abroad. The message translation says it this way. Believers look up to you. Your lives are echoing the master's word. As ministers of the gospel, we have to keep in the forefront of our thinking that other believers are looking up to us. Look at your neighbor and say, and they think you're holy. They think you're godly. Amen. Don't prove them wrong. Amen. You are examples. You echo the master's word. Believers look up to you. That's an awesome responsibility. That's, that's a major reason why each and every one of us ought to be deeply committed to God, deeply committed to his word, deeply committed to our calling, and make sure that we live our lives in a manner that's pleasing to God. Amen. 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 The apostle Paul said, you are epistles that are being read by other people. You're a living epistle. People are looking at your life like a book. Amen. And what they see in you is what they will think of God. So make sure that you live your life in a manner that's pleasing to God and brings honor to him. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Are you well, uh, ready to receive Brother Richard Roberts? Stand up, Richard, if you will. I want to share this with you that uh, uh, today when we got back home, uh, come on, Richard, uh, we, uh, man, we didn't stop the service today. We just continued right on, right up until we almost didn't get dressed in time to get over here. And uh, we just preached to one another, telling stories of uh, things that we've seen and things that we've read about and so forth. And we, we just had our own little personal revival there at the house, praise God. And I believe it's going to carry right on over into this service. And uh, I wanted to say this to you, and I, I said to Richard today, and he knows this, how, how, how honored I was to know his father, Brother Oral Roberts, and his mother, Evelyn. They made a tremendous impact in my life. And uh, I, I studied his ministry. Uh, I, I 
read his life story I don't know how many times. Just recently I read it again twice on the way to Europe and on the way back. And uh, it, it touches me and uh, touches me to my core every time I read it. And um, I told Richard some time back, because I, I, we had kind of lost contact with each other for a short time. And uh, I'd always loved him like I loved his dad, but we just kind of got, you know, not on purpose, not consciously saying, I don't want to be around you anymore. Uh, it, we just kind of lost contact with one another. And one night, I was sound asleep. And just like that kid, I opened my mouth and woke up. And <laughs> I wanted to do that. And you'll know why when I, when I tell you this. But I was suddenly awakened out of a sound sleep. And I just raised up in my bed. And old Roberts was standing at the foot of my bed. Now, he'd been in heaven for how long? Several years. Several years. And I don't tell this very often because people get a little weird on me. And uh, old Roberts was standing at the foot of my bed. And he looked down at me and he said, thank you for loving my son, Richard. And he just left. Now, the next week, Brother Copeland was having his believers, I mean, his uh, minister's conference. And the first morning, I'm standing in the speaker's room out there and visiting with several people. And in walks Richard. And when I saw Richard, he saw me about the same time, and, and we, just, we just made a beeline, as we say, toward one another. And uh, that was the beginning, praise God, of a, a restoring of a tremendous relationship. And I just want you to know, and I want him to know, and I've told him, that I have the same respect for him that I had for his daddy. Amen. And so tonight, I believe that he's going to flow in the anointing. He's going to do whatever God tells him to do because this meeting is all about following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So would you welcome Richard Roberts once again? Amen. I love you, sir. I love you. Let's just lift our voice in the spirit tonight. Just lift your voice. Yes, thank you, Lord, for healing the foot right now. Foot being healed right now in the name of Jesus. Whoever you are, you're going to be able to move your foot. The pain's leaving now in the name of Jesus. Just lift your voice in the spirit. The pain that shoots down the right leg is leaving now. It's leaving the leg now. You'll be able to move your leg and the pain is going now. You who have what you've been calling a crimp or a crick in your shoulder, you're going to be able to lift your shoulder up high right now. Whoever you are, you're going to find you're able to lift it up high and come down and there's no pain whatsoever in the authority of Jesus' name. Just lift your voice in the spirit. Headache leaves now. In the name of Jesus. Peptic ulcer goes now. All the burning. All the burning leaves now. Second shoulder being healed right now in the name of Jesus. Hip pain is leaving right now. 
Hip pain. It's bothered you sitting all day today. Hips being healed right now. <laughs> Sickle cell leaves now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the knees being healed. Thank you for the ability to walk up and down steps without pain. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Heart condition being healed now. Just praise him in the spirit tonight. Something happens when you pray in tongues. It's like being in that upper room. Heart condition leaves now. Heart fluttering. Aorta be healed. Veins open up. Arteries open up. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your healing. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the word preached this morning and this afternoon being confirmed right now in our midst. Praise you and give you honor and we give you glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We give you honor and we give you glory in this place tonight. For we belong to you. We don't belong to the devil. We were paid for by the shed blood of Jesus. And we thank you, Father, and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Give the Lord a mighty shout of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. You may be seated. Who can tell the healing has already begun? But wave your hand at me tonight. Wave your hand at me. Hold it up high. Hold it up high. You can tell. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Somebody give praise to the Lord. 19 healings already. Praise God. Well, I love Jerry and Carolyn. Jerry, I, I, I don't know what to say after what you just said, except to say that I love you and I honor you both before the Lord. And we don't just have a friendship, the four of us, but we have a very deep relationship. And I'm honored and I'm very grateful and I praise God. And I personally want to thank you for putting me behind Carolyn and Lindsay. I wondered why Jerry wasn't speaking until Friday. Now I know. But it's an honor to be here. And as I heard Carolyn this morning, I told her that's her next book. That needs to be written. It needs to be said. That was the most unusual message from uh, the least likely person. Because she doesn't preach very often. But when she does, you better listen. Give God a great blessing for Carolyn. Carolyn. Lindsay, you were so anointed today. And I praise God for you. Thank you that you you were the perfect follow-up to Carolyn today. And I thank God for that. You told some stories on me, however. Jerry Ann was counting. She told four stories. Now, I'm not going to tell you that they weren't true. But I wish you'd talk to her because she tells everything that I do. She tells it on television and I just have to stand there and take it like a man. Once in a while, though, I have a story on her. And sometimes one story can negate all the other four. Turn to your neighbor and says, turn to your neighbor and say this, if it didn't kill you, then you must not be finished. 
stand on the other side. If it didn't kill you, then you must not be finished. That's what I thought this morning after Lindsay brought that message. If it didn't kill you, you must not be finished. Right after we got married, we decided to make some homemade ice cream. And we had an old-fashioned, hand-crank ice cream maker that I had inherited from my parents. And I can remember as a boy, I was the one designated to do the cranking. And I would crank until I would think my arm was about to come off before it would stop. And that was how you could tell in those old hand crank freezers. And so we had everything prepared. She had all the ice cream mixture inside. Everything was right. The ice was right. The rock salt was there. It was packed in. She did a fabulous job. And I decided that I would do the cranking. And so I began to crank. But within the first two or three minutes, it started getting really difficult. And having gone through that so much in my life when I was a boy, I remembered that it should take a lot longer. (laughs) Shouldn't stop after two or three minutes. And so I opened it up and I looked in there and I saw that there was no paddle. (laughs) And without the paddle, there's nothing to turn the mixture. All you're doing is turning the outside of the container. And I said, Lindsay, where is the paddle? And she reached over on the counter and held it up and said, here it is. The Holy Spirit is the paddle. It's what stirs you and gets you into the position where you can do what God wants you to do. You've got to be stirred up. Just like that ice cream mixture had to be stirred with a paddle so that when you cranked it, that paddle turned and turned and turned until it became so cold that it froze and it became homemade ice cream. In the same way, the Holy Spirit who is in each one of us, because the Holy Spirit came in when we were born again, we didn't have to go out and get him because when we got saved, here we got him. Because the Bible says that he comes in and bears witness with our spirit that we're a child of God. So you can't get saved without the Holy Spirit coming in and taking up residence in your heart. So whenever you hear someone say, when did you get the Holy Ghost? Well, you got him when you got saved. You didn't have to roll on the floor. You didn't have to roll down the aisle. You didn't have to tarry. You didn't have to wait. You didn't have to crawl under the piano. Which is what many of us were taught when we were young. That you had to seek the Lord. You had to seek the Holy Spirit. And there was a time uh, to be involved. But no, he came in at that precise moment. And he's the paddle. He is the one who stirs you. He stirs you up to do that which he has called you to do. Now, I've had two great mentors in my life. We were talking about it this afternoon. That's what Jerry was referring to a little earlier. We're telling stories. I've had two great mentors in my life. One was my father, Earl Roberts, and one was Catherine Kuhlman. I traveled with Catherine Kuhlman for several years. And of course, I was raised under my dad's ministry under the tent. And I remember so well all the crusades that I attended as a boy. And then from the age of 19, when I gave my heart to the Lord, I was with my father in everything that he did. Wherever he went, I went. Whatever he did, I did. Whatever he said, I said. I was a part of every building. I was a part of every program. I was a part of every television program, a part of every radio program, part of every crusade. I was a part of everything that we did. 
And I'm the only one that's alive who remembers and knows all those details. We were talking about that today. And then I traveled with Catherine Kuhlman and, and uh, had a tremendous experience. And I was telling them the story about how I met, uh, how I first got to know Catherine. Uh, my father was uh, oftentimes one of the main speakers at the International Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship International Conferences. And it was in 1968 that he was asked to speak at the convention which was in Washington, D.C. at that year. And he took me and he took our singers at that time known as the World Action Singers uh, to sing before him because he did not want to dig out of the hole of those who would be singing before he preached. I won't say another thing about that. And so we were standing in the wing waiting to have a sound check. He was to speak at 7, and Catherine was having the afternoon service. And it was running late, as most of her services did. And I looked out, and the building was full, some 2,000 people, but no one was standing. The whole room, with the exception of a few people and Catherine, were on their backs flat on the floor. It looked like a combat zone. And I'd never witnessed anything like that in my life. I'd heard about it, but I'd never seen it. And I stood there watching. I was not critical. I just had never seen anything like that before. And it became obvious as she closed the meeting that she was going to walk out through the wing where we were standing. And uh, here she came. And she would just wave her hand and people were falling and under the power of the Lord. And she wouldn't touch them. She just wave her hand and groups of people just went down on the floor. And I remember two of the young men who were in our, in our singing group saw her coming and I heard them say, well, I'm not going to fall. And they braced themselves against the wall. And she came walking by and just waved her hand at them. Both of them slid down the wall. <laughs> And after she passed a moment, they, they got up and they said, well, I guess this is real. <laughs> and then the next year, she came to, to our home and I got to know her. And, and she invited me uh, to come and to be a guest on her program, which she taped at the, the, the famous Hollywood uh, studio, CBS, CBS uh, Television City in Hollywood. And she was right next to the Carol Burnett show. And so uh, I was on her program and many of the Carol Burnett stars would stand in the wings and watch her because they were fascinated by her by her mannerisms and by the anointing, the obvious anointing. And when she had her monthly meetings in the Shrine Auditorium in Los Angeles, which I sang at many times, who's who of Hollywood would be in the first four or five rows? And she would call them out and she would prophesy over them and she would give words of knowledge. And who's who of Hollywood, the greatest stars of that day, uh, were on the floor uh, with the power of God. And I grew up in that atmosphere. Now, she operated by the word of knowledge. Most of what, <clears throat> excuse me, I know about the word of knowledge, I learned from Catherine of how the Holy Spirit works in that gift of the, of the Holy Spirit, the work, the, the word of knowledge. I, I learned most of what I know about the gifts of healing through my father because God gave him the method of using his right hand. And the power of God would come down his arm as Brother Jerry well knows, and it would come into his hand. And he would not go into a service. He would not preach. He would not leave the hotel until he felt that anointing come down his arm. And we as children would say, Daddy, why are we, why are we waiting so long? Why is our driver standing out in the hallway? Why, why aren't we going? He would say, there are people who are depending upon my prayers tonight. 
and I must not leave the room until I feel the anointing coming down my arm because I'll be laying hands on hundreds tonight. And I can't do the healing. It will take the power of the Holy Spirit. And I learned, and I learned that we just waited. We waited. Sometimes we would wait an extra 15 minutes, sometimes 30 minutes. I remember one time we waited an hour. We were an hour late to the service until he felt that anointing come into his arm. And I couldn't wait for him to finish preaching because many times he would call me and let me stand by his side as he prayed for the sick. And sometimes he would say, now you touch them. And I didn't realize that God and my father were both training me for the healing ministry. But they both, both my father and Catherine, had an unusual, strong relationship with the Holy Spirit. What makes the difference in a Christian's life? What's the difference? Is it the number of times you pray? Well, we certainly should pray. Jesus taught us to pray and not faint. Is it the number of times that we get on our knees or we get on our face? Or is it the number of times that we walk the corridors of our home? Or or what is it? No, it's not the number of times, although we all do that from time to time. And and sometimes we do it on a daily basis. Well, is is it our offerings? Well, we ought to sow seed. Jesus told us that when we give, it'll be multiplied back to us. Is it uh, our relationships with other people? Well, we ought to have relationships. Uh, is, it, is it the way we treat our fellow man? Well, we ought to treat our fellow man right. We love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Do, do good unto others. You know, Whether they do good back to us or not, we should do good to them. All those things are good. But those are not the things that make the difference. The difference is the Holy Spirit. And here we are in the conditions of our world today. And some of the things that I saw on this screen this morning, I had not seen before. I had heard about some of them, but I did not know all of those things. And it bothered me. How about you? It bothered me this morning. It bothered me what's happening to our country. And God is looking for men and women with the Holy Spirit who will stand up and make a difference. (laughs) People who will not be ashamed, who will call truth what truth is, who will call sin what sin is. I heard the story of a man many years ago who set up a tent in Chicago. And the first night, there was a crowd that came and he preached a message from the scripture, you must be born again. And many people came forward and gave their hearts to the Lord. And the second night, he preached a scripture from the text, you must be born again. And many people came forward that night. And the third night, he preached from the same text. And the fourth night, he preached from the same text. And the fifth night, the same text, you must be born again. And one of the businessmen who were helping me, helping him to, to, to sponsor the crusade said to him, can't you preach something else? Why won't you preach something else? Will you preach something else? No, not until you're born again. Not until you're born again. He had a Holy Spirit determination. He had a calling and he had something from God to deliver to the people. And he was not going to let go no matter what people thought or said. It's easy for us to get caught up in what people think. And we've got to learn as ministers of the gospel that we've got to have holy boldness. Holy boldness. Look at the life of Peter. Just look at Peter's life and what he did. 
and what the Holy Spirit did in his life. I remember those early days in the 1960s. And my father, Earl Roberts, is the father of the charismatic movement. And no one will deny that. He was the one who, who, who came up with the teaching from the Apostle Paul in the Bible about praying in tongues and praying with the understanding also, which is something that we who were Pentecostals and Charismatics had not grown up understanding. We had the idea that when you prayed in tongues, you had, quote, initial evidence. And you didn't have to pray in tongues again because you had arrived. But how many of you need the Holy Spirit in your life every day? Not just a one-time thing. And we fell into the trap of praying in tongues when we were uh, extremely happy or when we were extremely sad. But most of life is between extremely happy and and extremely sad. Most of of it is in here, you know. And... uh, he was the one who began to, to, to open the door to people's understanding about that. And I can remember in the days of the early 1960s, when I was just a young teenager, when he was preparing to build a university, and he had bought, uh, paid down, I should say, paid because he didn't have the money, just to pay down, he paid down on a piece of land in South Tulsa, outside the city limits. And uh, we would put my bicycle in the back of the car, And we would go out there to that land and he would walk through the trees and he would pray and groan. And I would ride my bicycle through the trees and I would hear him there. And I would hear him as he was having a conversation with God. And he had no money. He had no no students. He had no faculty. He had no buildings. He had no curriculum. He had no accreditation. All he had was the call of God. And God said to him, do you have the Holy Spirit? (laughs) And he said, well, sure. And the Lord said, do you know what you have? Well, the mere fact that the Lord would say to Oral Roberts, do you know what you have, must have meant he didn't know what he had. (laughs) And the Lord said to him, you have the unlimited power of God. You have Jesus' other self, who is not limited to time or space. And he began to show him and teach him how to pray in tongues and then pray in English as the Apostle Paul taught. What will I do? I will pray with the Spirit and with the understanding also so that God can open my mind to new understanding, new ideas, new concepts, new and innovative ways of doing things. And in the flash of a second, he knew how to build a university. Because of the Holy Spirit. I know it's true because I graduated three times (laughs) with a bachelor's, a master's, and a doctorate. And I served for 15 years as president. I know that it's true. The Holy Spirit makes the difference. And if the Holy Spirit makes the difference in my father's life, and if he made the difference in Catherine Kuhlman's life, and if he's making the difference in Brother Jerry and Carolyn's lives, and if he's making the difference in my wife Lindsay's life, if he's making the difference in my life, and since he is no respecter of persons, he will make the difference in your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, he'll make the difference in your life. Say it on both sides. He'll make the difference. Acts 1.8. You shall receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, John, and you be witnesses unto me, where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Jerusalem represents your home. 
Judea represents uh, the places you go, where you frequent. Samaria represents the hard places where it's difficult to be a witness. And the whole world. In Acts 2, verse 2, there was a sound that came when they got together. Why is it that the devil's crowd comes together and we Christians fuss and fight? You don't see the liberals fighting. You only see the conservatives fighting. If we don't dot every I and cross every T the way some other Christian does, then we get cast out. Or they get cast out. Imagine what we could do as the body of Christ if we would just come together. The power that we have. Take your left hand and hold it out. And squeeze. Feel that? Now take your right hand and squeeze. Feel that? Now put them together and squeeze. Where's the most power? He said, go to that upper room and come together. That's why services, meetings like this, conferences like this are so vitally important. Because one of the things that we ministers receive the least is ministry to ourselves. We are the ones who are doing the ministry all the time. We're not getting the ministry. That's why this is so vitally important. And when they came together, there was a sound. Don't tell me the Holy Spirit can't be heard. Because there was a sound. The sound of a rushing, mighty wind. And there appeared above their heads, as it were, tongues of fire. And they began to speak in tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. And they were preparing to change the world. The Holy Spirit made the difference in their lives. Peter, being bold, stepped forth. And there was a great crowd outside. The Holy Spirit had a profound effect upon his life. And I want you to write some things down tonight. There are some, some effects that the Holy Spirit will have upon our lives as we minister. To help us to do The things that God has called us to do. First of all, the Holy Spirit leads to confidence and courage in the face of opposition. Face it. We're going to be opposed. We are being opposed right now. There are those in this country who are saying right now, Christians should be put to death. That's what they said in Nero's day in Rome. And Nero made it come to pass. Many were boiled in oil. Some were crucified. Some were crucified upside down. Some were fed to lions in the Colosseum in Rome. And they were persecuted. God was preparing them for the job that they were to do. And the Holy Spirit gives a confidence and a holy boldness in the face of opposition. It causes you to stand up to the winds of doctrine. That's what you were talking about this morning, Carolyn. To the winds of doctrine that come from time to time. And to apostate conditions. Apostate means a a falling away from religious beliefs. And that's what we're seeing in our country. That's what we're seeing in our churches. And we are the watchmen. 
we must not let it happen on our watch. Somebody say amen. Amen. It causes us to speak the truth of the word of God boldly without apology. Look, the Bible is the Bible. It is the word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away. but God's word will not pass away. The second effect is the Holy Spirit leads you to depend upon the scriptures. The Holy Spirit leads you to depend upon the scriptures. My dad taught me, if it's not in the Bible, don't preach it. If you can't find it in the word of God, don't teach it. If you can't find it in the word of God, don't announce it on your television program. If you can't find it in the word of God, don't write it in your book. How many books have been written by men and women who had good intentions, but they were preaching a false doctrine because it didn't line up with the word of God. If it's not in the Bible, don't preach it. My father poured that into me. And I can remember, Lindsay, you remember the night. You were on television with me the night. God spoke to me one night. We were on television and said, put your hands up and tell people to come to your television, the television set and touch your hands as a point of contact. And I said to the Holy Spirit under my breath, you know, I said, I'm not going to do that. I said, there are people out there watching me that think I'm crazy already. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put my hands up like that and say, stretch out your hands and touch my hands on the television. I'm not going to do that. And I disobeyed. I did not do it. I got home that night and I was really troubled. And I called my dad and said, can I come up and see you? And I went over to his house and I told him the experience that I had, what the Lord had said to me. And I said, dad, I just couldn't do it. You've taught me if it's not in the Bible, don't do it. He began to laugh. And I said, why are you laughing? He took me to the book of Acts and showed me where God brought special miracles through the hands of the Apostle Paul. And I had a scripture. And suddenly it didn't matter to me what anybody thought. Because I could back it up by the word of God. They might not like me, but they didn't know what to do with the Bible. And the next night, when the Spirit came on me, I said, put your hands up against the television. Put your hands up against my hands. And I said, I realize I don't have any healing power, but I'm hooked up to the one who does. And I'm going to speak the word boldly and I'm going to pray the prayer of faith. And people, as I did, people began to call through the Abundant Life prayer group and testify that when they touched my hands, God began to move. And my, my mother was watching the program that night. You remember what, she, what happened? My mother was watching the program. She was sitting in a chair. She pulled a chair up close to the television so she could hear it. And, and my dad came into the room and, and he, she, he said, what's Richard doing? And, uh, and she began to tell him. And she, he grabbed her and pulled her out of the chair and took the chair from her. <laughs> he said, I want in on this. So he put his hands up like that. A few nights later, I said, put your hands up like this uh, up toward the television and touch my hands as a point of contact. God, I remember clear as a bell, God gave me three words of knowledge. And I heard myself say, there's a person watching you have stuttered for 10 years. And there's another person you've stuttered for 20 years. And there's another person you've stuttered, stuttered for 40 years. Put your tongue against my hands. I was as shocked as you are right now. 
and the phone began to ring. And the first call was, a, as I recall, was a woman who had stuttered for 10 years. She said, when my tongue touched your hand, I could talk without stuttering. Then we got a call from another person who said, I stuttered for 20 years. And when I touched my tongue to your hands, suddenly the stuttering stopped. I'm talking normally. And then there was a woman who said, I have stuttered for 40 years, virtually all my life. And when I put my tongue up against your hand, something happened and I'm not stuttering and I haven't stuttered since I put my tongue against your hand. Now you talk about holy boldness, but you also talk about basing it on the word of God. If it's not in the Bible, don't preach it. Don't write about it. Don't send it out in your newsletter. Don't put it in a book. And don't tell it on your television or radio program or or on social media. Because you're going to have to go back and correct it if you do. How many ministers would like to withdraw books that they have written years ago? And why is that? Because many ministers today don't have a mentor. They don't have a spiritual covering. They don't have anybody to say to them, you can't say that. They don't have a mentor. They think, well, because I'm older now, I don't need a mentor. Look, I'm 68 as you... uh, uh, talk this morning. You uh, uh, you have already turned sixty nine, Carolyn, but I haven't. I have another ten days before I turn. Just wanted you to know you're an older woman. What? And then Lindsay announced today that I was seventy. But sometimes we. We get the idea that we have arrived and, and we become our own mentor. <laughs> my father was my mentor. And whenever I would say something on television that he didn't think was quite right, here's what he would, he would do. He would call me. He would say, son, I heard you say this on your TV show. Why don't you bring your Bible and come on up to the house? I knew I was going to the woodshed. He would say to me, son, show me that in the word of God. Show me. And if I couldn't show him, I realized I had a problem. He poured that into me. If it's not in the word of God, don't do it. And when he died, I lost my mentor. But I got another mentor. I asked another man who was 10 years older in ministry than me. A man whom I have loved and respected most of my life. I asked him if he would become my mentor. And if he would watch me and make certain that I didn't do something that was not in harmony with the word of God. I'm 68. And I still need a mentor. Who is your mentor? Are you your own mentor? If you are, you got a lousy mentor. You heard him say tonight, he set himself under Kenneth Copeland's ministry. Kenneth has been his, men- his mentor for how many years? 49? 48 years. I have a mentor. Do you? Do you have a mentor? If you don't, Ask the Lord to give you one. And he'll show you the person. 
That's what my dad poured into my life. He poured in the scriptures. And when I got saved in the fall of 1968, I didn't realize how many scriptures I knew. My mother would put us up on the bed on Saturday nights and would teach us the Sunday school lesson and would pour the scriptures in the Sunday school lesson into us. And I didn't realize that because she had been a school teacher herself in her early years, that she was teaching me the Bible. And I didn't realize how many of those scriptures that I knew. And when I gave my heart to the Lord, it was amazing how many scriptures began to pour up out of my spirit into my mouth. I shocked myself at how many scriptures that I knew, and I had not even been a Christian. They poured the Bible into me. And when Peter came out of that upper room, and when they said to him, what is this? The Bible came out of his mouth. This is that, which was spoken of by the prophet Job. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon my sons and daughters, and they'll prophesy, and your young men shall dream dreams, and your old men shall see visions. It was the Bible that came out. And when the word of God came out of his mouth, they were pricked in their hearts. Get into the Bible. Get into the Bible. Turn to your neighbor and say, get into the word of God. Number three. The Holy Spirit leads to holy forgetfulness. Write that down. The Holy Spirit leads to holy forgetfulness. Now that sounds like a crazy thing. No, it's not. Not crazy at all. Look at what Peter had just been through. He had denied Christ after he knew who he was. He said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this. And on this rock of revelation, or in other words, because you know who I am, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He knew who he was. And he said, I'll not deny you. Jesus said, Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. He knew who he was. He knew him, and he denied him and forsook him and fled in the night. But one of the gospels says that their eyes met. How would you like to have been looking into the eyes of Jesus after you just denied him? That's what Peter did. But I believe it was a look of holy forgiveness. And Peter had a dose of holy forgetfulness. Because only days later... After all he had done, now he was preaching with boldness. Now look, I got news. Every one of us has made mistakes. You have, I have. Every minister in the gospel has. But you know, you don't get up in the morning and say, hot dog Jesus, I'm going to make a mistake today. You usually find out along the way. It's like the man who went fishing and fell into the lake. And another man came by and said, Son, how did you come to fall in? He said, I didn't come to fall in. I came to fish. <laughs> I just fell in along the way. And that's the story of many of us. Wow. Every one of us, we are human beings. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. If you're looking for someone who's perfect, don't look this way. Look over there. <laughs> <laughs> Look 
Lindsay says Mary Poppins was practically perfect, but she's perfect in every way. So, <laughs> Look, we're human beings. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. How many ministers today have left their calling because they've had a failure or they've made a mistake? How many of us have let the Lord down in some area of our lives? I dare say every one of us in this room at some time in our lives have let the Lord down. But thank God we can repent. And he said if you confess your sin that he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Not most unrighteousness, but all. Everybody say all. All unrighteousness. Thank God that our lives can be in a state so that we can repent and ask God to forgive you. And look, look at the life of Peter. Look at, look at what happened in his life after he had done what he had done. And yet holy forgetfulness came on him. And he seemed to move right ahead with, the, with what God wanted to do in his life. And number four, the Holy Spirit leads to a focus on Jesus Christ and the gospel. The Holy Spirit leads to a focus on Jesus and the gospel. Within minutes of preaching that message, Peter had given the gospel message. He explained to them that the one that they crucified shed his blood for the remission of sin. The one they crucified took the stripes on his back for healing. The one they crucified was now risen from the dead. How many of us incorporate that into our messages? No, we feel like we have to preach something new. We have to preach something new. We have to preach something different. Well, yes, God gives us revelation. God just gave Brother Jerry a revelation for 2018. But I guarantee you, he'll have the gospel message in the middle of that message. How are you going to get people born again if you don't tell them the gospel message? If they don't understand that Jesus went to the cross for a reason, that he took on our sin and shame. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. How can they know what Jesus did and what he will do in their lives unless we tell them? And how can we do that unless we have enough time after we preach to give that gospel message and then give people an opportunity to respond? If we preach up until the zero moment and leave no time for ministry, then we have not delivered the message that God has given us. Doesn't matter what your subject is, you've got to give people an opportunity to give their hearts to Christ. You have to give an invitation. What if nobody shows up? Give it again the next time. What if nobody shows up? Give it again the next time. The one thing that I admire above all else among the Baptists is they give an invitation every service. At a potluck dinner, they'll give an invitation. John Osteen used to say, leave those Baptists alone. They'll be getting people born again. How many of us Pentecostals and Charismatics give an invitation to give people an opportunity to give their hearts to Christ? And how many of us stop our preaching in time so that we can have a time of ministry? 
And remember, he who speaketh short shall be invited again. (laughs) You have to have enough time to minister. You have enough time to pray. I remember once I was invited by a very, very well-known evangelist. If I said his name, all of you would know it. And he was having a crusade in our city. And there were going to be some five to 6,000 people there that night. And he preached a tremendous message. And then he, he said, now, uh, I have to leave and go do a radio program. And he didn't minister to anybody. And he turned and said, Richard, I want you to give the benediction. And I said, Lord, no word of knowledge. Don't give me any word of knowledge. This is not my meeting. This is, this, is a, this is an evangelical group. They, they, don't, they don't pray for the sick in these meetings. And please don't give me a word of knowledge. <laughs> please don't tell me to do something that's going to be misunderstood. There are about five or 6,000 people here. And everybody's looking. Everybody's wondering what I'm doing on the platform anyway. <laughs> and he left the stage and left the building. And I took the microphone. The first thing God did, it began to give me words of knowledge. I said, God, I told you, don't do that. <laughs> Don't you do that. But he did. And I was trapped. I didn't know what to do. And I prayed a very simple prayer and closed the service. And I went home broken hearted. Because it wasn't my service. I felt like I would have been out of order if I had done what the Lord showed me to do. And I was disobedient. And I went home and I wept. And I said to the Lord, I'm so sorry. I didn't didn't do what you said. And you know what the Lord said to me? He said, it's all right. I wanted you to know how I feel when my ministers don't take time to minister to my people after they preach. I've never forgotten that. And that's why I always want to take time afterwards. Never preach till the zero hour. Never preach till the cafeteria opens. Take time after you preach to have people. Sometimes, sometimes I see pastors that have their elders come down to the front to lay hands on people because there's so many. And that's wonderful. And the pastor will go down and join them. And sometimes they'll pray from the platform. Take time. For ministry after preaching. Because Jesus preached and he taught and he healed. And not all healing is physical. A lot of healing is on the inside. You can't see it. And people don't want to talk about it until they get up close. Take time to minister. And the Holy Spirit will lead you to a focus on Jesus and his gospel. And his gospel is in preaching, teaching, and the healing ministry what he told his disciples to do. And then number five, the Holy Spirit leads to fruit in ministry. The Holy Spirit leads to fruit in ministry. When Peter preached that message, 3,000 were born again. There was the confirmation of the word of God. Our ministries must produce fruit. And the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. If it's not happening in us, how is it going to happen to them?
That's why our lives must be an open book. We must be what we say we are. We must do what we say we do. We must be a living example. That's what Carolyn was talking about this morning. And the Holy Spirit is the one who makes the difference. And the difference that he makes makes all the difference. I remember I was about 14 or 15. And my dad came home. And he was so upset. And I said, Dad, what's wrong? He said, I quit. I said, I quit the ministry today. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I quit. He said, I can't do this anymore. And uh, I'd never heard my dad say that before. He said, the, the pressure, the scrutiny, the media... The jabs, the opposition, so heavy. Life magazine had just done a a huge expose on him. At that time, Life magazine was the number one magazine in America. They had Marilyn Monroe on the cover and uh, my father's story, and they made her an angel, and they painted my dad as a devil. And I'd gone to school, and many of the students had copies of the magazine, and it just broke our family. It just tore us apart. My dad said, I quit today. He said, I can't do this anymore. He said, it's too hard. And then he smiled. He said, but then the Lord spoke to me. (laughs) And I said, Dad, what did he say? He said, the Lord said to me, son, do you want to stand before me with medals or with scars? He said, my son did not stand before me with medals. He stood before me with scars. Scars in his hands, scars in his feet, scars in his side, scars in his brow, scars on his back. Are you better than Jesus? By this time, my dad was weeping. He said, I began to repent and say to the Lord, no, I I don't want medals. I'll take the scars. Vivid moments like that have shaped my life. Probably no one in the history of Christianity has ever been beaten the way the Apostle Paul was. With rods, with chains, and no telling what else. With rocks thrown at him, left for dead on the side of the road until people gathered around and prayed and they wiped off the blood and he went to the next town. Shipwrecked, snake-bitten. Many historians believe he was beheaded. And yet he stood tall. And the Holy Spirit made the difference. He made a way when there seemed to be no way. He made a way when it looked like the end was near. He made a way when there was too much month at the end of the money. He made a way. The Holy Spirit will make a way. And if you and I will depend upon him, And allow his leadership. If we will follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, which is what this conference theme is all about. If we will do that, then we'll have much greater success than we ever dreamed possible. We'll win people to Christ. 
We'll pray the prayer of faith and people will be healed. Lives will be touched and changed. People will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we will become so magnetic that people will want to get near us. When I was a boy and I was traveling with my dad and we'd walk in a room, every head would turn. There's Oral Roberts. I would watch it because they didn't know how to express what they were feeling, but they knew they were feeling something. They were feeling the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I remember once we were doing our television shows at the NBC studios in Burbank, California. And in that same studio at that time, they were shooting the Johnny Carson show and they were shooting Laugh-In and they were shooting uh, the Dean Martin show and the Jerry Lewis show and the Andy Williams show and all the days of our lives and all the other shows that NBC was producing at that time in the 70s. And we were taping across the hall from the Laugh-In studios. And I know many of you uh, remember the Laugh-In show back in the 70s. Well, you had Laugh-In here and you had Earl Roberts here. And from time to time, my dad would say, when we get a break, he'd say, let's, let's go over and see what they're doing on Laugh-In. So we walked across the hall, and because the crews were interchangeable, uh, uh, we got in, and uh, the stage manager of that show knew us. And so we stood over on the wings, and they were doing one of their skits. There was no crowd, just, just the stars of the show, and their special guest that week was Sammy Davis, Jr. And so we stood there together, watching as they did a skit, and all of a sudden, Sammy caught my father's eye and recognized that my dad was standing there. And I'm just standing next to my dad, just minding my own business. And Sammy Davis Jr. walked out of character over to where my dad was standing, big tears running down his face. And he got down on his knees and threw his arms around my dad's legs and said, Earl Roberts, I've watched you most of my life. Please tell me that Jesus is real. You could have heard a pin drop. No one moved. All the laughing crew, all their staff, all their stars riveted on that moment. Watching Sammy Davis Jr. on his knees with his arms wrapped around Oral Roberts' legs. I know because I was standing there while it happened. And I remember my dad saying, Sammy, he's more real than the very breath in your body. And he put his hand on Sammy's head and prayed. And Sammy wept like a child. You never know who's watching. You never know. And the Holy Spirit makes the difference. Let's stand together. Holy Spirit made the difference in Peter's life. He preached that message. Thousands were born again. Just a matter of days later, he's going to the temple with John. And he sees a man who had never walked, perceives faith and says, What I have, I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. The Holy Spirit is the one who initiated that and gave him the boldness to do it. And when the authorities questioned him, it was the Holy Spirit that gave him the boldness to say, whether it's right to listen to God or listen to you, you make up your own mind. But as for us, we're going to speak of the things which we have seen and heard. And it was the Holy Spirit 
that enabled him to say to the, to the disciples about stirring up the gift of the Holy Spirit in us. And the place was shaken by the power of God. The Holy Spirit makes the difference. Following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And tonight and throughout this day and tomorrow, as Jerry and Carolyn and Lindsay and I continue to minister, allow the Holy Spirit, allow the Holy Spirit to have his way in your life and in your ministry. And as you do, I promise you, I promise you, based on the authority of the word of God, that when you leave this place, you and your ministry will not ever be the same again. And those are not trite words that we just say. I believe that my life will never be the same after I heard Carolyn's message today and Lindsay's message. I believe that when I hear Brother Jerry tomorrow, my life will never be the same again. Because when I'm not up here preaching in this brief time, I'm getting ministered to like you are. And the Holy Spirit is making the difference in my life. And I want the same Holy Spirit to make the difference in your life. Let's just lift our hands unto the Lord and begin to praise in the Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. A fresh touch, a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit, a fresh move of God in our lives. Lord, if there's anything that is in me that is not like you, I'm asking you to pluck it out. David said, search me, O God. See if there's anything in me that's not of you. And that's my prayer tonight. God, that you will search me, Richard Roberts. If there's anything in my life, in the way I act, in the things that I do, in the places that I go, in the things that I say, in the way I treat people, if there's anything in me that's not of you, pluck it out. Lord, I give the Holy Spirit free reign in my life. Let's all just say that. Lord, I I give the Holy Spirit free reign in my life. That's why you came to this conference. This is not a parking lot. This is a filling station. You're coming here tonight to get filled today, this, this week, to get filled so that you can go home and minister to a crying, dying, sighing world. That's going to hell, as Carolyn said, in a handbasket. And sometimes we're giving them the basket. Father, I praise you. Who wants a fresh touch of the anointing of the Holy Spirit tonight? Father, pour it out. Pour it out tonight, afresh and anew. You have willing vessels tonight. Pour it out. Pour out a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That we may minister with boldness. Lord, there are some things in our lives that we need to forget. We need to learn how to put the past in, in, <coughs> excuse me, in the past. And we need to reach out for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, we take those things, those shortcomings and faults and problems that are in each one of us. And we put them in the past. And we press on toward that mark. We ask for some holy forgetfulness to forget those things that are in the past and to march forward with our lives in ministry.
We are qualified because you've called us. And we make a fresh commitment to you tonight that we'll not only serve you, but we'll lead others to serve you. Thank you that the Holy Spirit enables us and the Holy Spirit makes the difference. Brother Jerry, would you get a microphone and come up here, please? Lift your voice in the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Holy Spirit makes the difference. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. As Brother Richard was closing there, I just sensed the Spirit of God saying that there is a fresh anointing and it's available to you and it's available to you right now. Do you desire it? That's what he's asking. Do you truly desire it? Yes. Those that hunger shall be filled. Amen. I want each and every one of you that truly desire a fresh anointing Lift up your hands right now and just begin to ask the Lord for it and to believe you receive it right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask for a fresh anointing and we believe we receive it. And Lord, we know that it's not just for our benefit, but it is for the benefit of bringing others into the knowledge of the truth. We're demonstrating the fact that Jesus is alive. And we give you our solemn oath that we'll not abuse it, we'll not misuse it. We'll glorify our God with it. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Every pastor, I want you to come up here very quickly, if you will. Every pastor. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Just by the direction of the Holy Spirit, I want to lay my hands on you. As a point of contact. For that next level of the anointing. Keep hearing, if you hunger, you'll be filled. If you hunger, you'll be filled. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, these pastors have an awesome responsibility. An awesome responsibility to preach the word, to teach the word, to walk in love, To live a godly lifestyle in front of those that they minister to. It's an awesome responsibility. And I trust that there's not one of them that is in this line that takes that responsibility lightly. And Lord, the kind of world that we live in today, I believe it's going to take a greater anointing. To reach them. And we believe 
that anointing is available to us right now. Throughout your word, there are great examples of things happening by the laying on of hands. The Apostle Paul said a spiritual gift came into Timothy by the laying on of his hands. Use me tonight, Lord. Not that I'm any better than anybody else. I just happen to be available. Use me to impart. Make me your delivery boy. To deliver a gift, a stronger anointing. That yokes may be destroyed and burdens will be removed. And God will be glorified. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's just worship the Lord. Just worship the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Father. In the name. Thank you, Father. In the name. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you. Fresh, new anointing. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Come on, sing it out. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Fresh anointing, Jesus. Fresh anointing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Fresh anointing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Jesus, fresh anointing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Fresh anointing. Fresh anointing. Take us higher, Lord. Take us further in your anointing. Thank you, Jesus. Fresh anointing. May it flow into them right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for a fresh anointing. Glory to God. Fresh anointing in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Fresh anointing. Fresh anointing in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Fresh anointing. Hallelujah. Come on, sing it out. Holy Spirit, welcome in this place. Fresh anointing in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Fresh anointing resting upon you right now. Increasing on you in the name of Jesus. Bless you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Sing it out, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Fresh anointing. Thank you, Jesus, for that fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Fresh anointing rest upon you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Fresh anointing. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, a fresh anointing. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Fresh anointing. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lift your hands and sing it out. Sing it one more time. Holy Spirit. You're welcome in this place, Lord. Have your way, Lord Jesus. with me. Say it out loud. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in my life. You're welcome in my church. You're welcome in my ministry. You are in charge in the name of Jesus. Yeah, praise God. Amen. My daughter said, can you pray for an evangelist too? She's an evangelist. She's not a pastor. Fresh anointing. Oh, hallelujah. My, my, my. You are your father's daughter. You are your mother's daughter. And you incorporate the anointing of them both in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Fresh anointings on these ministers of the gospel, regardless of their office. Fresh anointing in the name of Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Father. 
I've been wanting to get my hands on you, Steve, all night. Fresh anointing. Hallelujah. Fresh anointing in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. A fresh anointing upon all these ministers in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you. Fresh anointing in the name of Jesus. You're welcome, Holy Spirit. Fresh anointing. Fresh anointing. A fresh anointing. Let it flow. Fresh anointing in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Fresh anointing in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Fresh anointing. A fresh anointing. A fresh anointing. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. These are your ministers. Anoint them with a fresh anointing. In the name of Jesus. A fresh anointing. Hallelujah. New oil. Fresh oil. From heaven. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Fresh oil from heaven. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, sing it out one more time. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lindsay Roberts, God is not nearly through with you. Not in the slightest. In fact, your greatest days of ministry are just ahead of you. And God will see to it that you're restored in health, you're restored in spirit, you're restored financially. What Satan meant for bad, God is going to turn it into good, and it is far better than you could ever imagine or dream. So, Miss Lindsay, you just get ready. Get your marching shoes on. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a good shout. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come right here. Thank you, Lord. And you're not through either. No, not nearly through. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Glory, glory, glory. I'll allow you to rest, son, but I won't allow you to be through. 
There's a rest that you're entering into. But right along with it is a greater anointing. So don't even give place to the thought. Am I done? Am I through? Is it over? Not nearly, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on, let's lift our hands. Let's bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We worship you. I want to sing it one more time. Holy Spirit, sing it out. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. You're Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah.